Alleluia, alleluia. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia. Here's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, written in the first chapter of St. John's Gospel, beginning at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to, te to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who send us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please do sit down. <clears throat> I wonder if I could ask you if you'd be good enough to stay here until 7 o'clock tomorrow evening. <laughs> would, 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 would that be okay? doesn't matter about 10.45 service. They can have it in the cross somewhere. Because we would need all that time just to scratch the surface of that wonderful Isaiah chapter, Isaiah 61. And even as we are reading it, weren't our hearts just saying, yes, Lord, isn't that wonderful? That's how it's going to be. But that is how it is. That's what we're celebrating uh, this morning and what we're celebrating in, over, in Christmas time. Uh, but if you haven't got time to stay there till, here till six, 7 o'clock tomorrow, uh, let's, we'll, let's just look at the first two verses. Um, 11 verses uh, of Isaiah chapter 61, 12 promises. And we'll just look at the first four promises. And even that will just be just a skit through them because we could spend a week on every single wonderful promise. But we'll just look at the first four. So let me uh, read you the, these, uh, the, these first two verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. This is the third Sunday of Advent, and um, you know the word Advent comes really from from the verb. Well, it does come from the verb, the Latin verb advenio, which means to arrive. But actually, literally, it's to come to, add to, venio, I come. So what we're celebrating is the fact that He has come to us. And we are going to be celebrating that in the next few days so wonderfully that he's, he's come, he's going to come to us. So maybe I could try and unpack that a little bit and perhaps offer you some examples. Um, in the examples I'll offer you, I'll, I'll change the people's names, but uh, I, I, I hope it will <coughs> encourage you. So should we do that? We'll just look at these first two verses. Okay, here's the first promise. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I remember years ago when I went to uh, New Wine, I think in the main hall, the main auditorium, there were about three and a half thousand people. And one evening, um, the speaker uh, sort of made an invitation to, to people uh, to come forward at the end who were brokenhearted. And you know, out of those three and a half thousand people, at least 30%, probably 40%, just came forward in a wave of people. And they were Christians. And they came because they were brokenhearted. Broken relationships. So poignant, particularly at this time of year, Christmas time. That's the worst time, isn't it? When, you know, the, the sadness... Um, of broken relationships just just rekindle themselves in our minds and in our hearts. Broken relationships, dashed hopes, unrealized expectations, disappointments, loss of a loved one. And again, particularly at Christmas time, as some of us are will be doing that this Christmas. You know, and not just the loss of a loved one, but the loss of self-worth. So many. The loss of a sense of identity, the loss of, of, of our own sense of, of wonderful value that God has in us, that we don't believe that we have any. And the loss of sort of the, 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 absence, of, the absence of the joy of living. That's a form of brokenheartedness too. There's really no joy in life. And Jesus says, I come that they might have joy and have it in all its fullness. I was at a church about three weeks ago uh, one evening and at the end, um, a lady who's 84, um, she came up to me and uh, she said, would, she said, I'm 84 now um, and I'd like you to pray for me. So a friend of hers and I, we had the privilege of praying for her. And so we asked her what her situation was. And she said, well, she said, I've never felt that I'm worth anything. I've never felt fulfilled. I've never felt that anything I've achieved has been of any use. I've never felt that I'm any, I'm any good at all. 
She said, I've written four historical novels and they've all been published and they're selling well. But you know, she said, I didn't get a single ounce of enjoyment out of any of those that I've written. I didn't enjoy writing them. I didn't enjoy the satisfaction of, of, of seeing them published and seeing people buy them. So we spoke to her a little more and it turned out that she had, as a child, she had simply not been given by her parents a sense of self-worth, a, a, a sense of who she is, a sense of achievement. But she'd just been belittled, often by omission rather than com commission in one's parents. And so we spoke, uh, we... we we, we, we drew those, those thoughts, those feelings, those pronouncements over. We drew them out. We asked the Lord to draw them out of her. And we spoke the Lord's word to her. You're the apple of my eye. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Uh, and we spoke other words to her and we prayed for her. And I saw her two weeks later. And I said to her, how are you now? And she said, oh, she said, the minute you both prayed for me, she said, I had an explosion in my head. And she said, the next morning, I woke up for the first time in my life. And she said, I'm free. She said, I knew I was free. She said, I got up, I sprang out of bed, and I said, I'm free. And she said, just after that, my sister, who lives 150 miles away, my sister phoned up, and she said, how are you? She said, I want, to, I want to tell you something. She said, I got up out of bed this morning for the first time in my life and said, I'm free. And so this dear lady said, well, that's just what happened to me too. And isn't that wonderful? Jesus set her free from this broken heart. Over 84 years she'd been living, and her sister too. She'd been carrying around this broken heart of unfulfillment, this, this broken heart of loss. And Jesus came and he set her free. That dear lady is going to be having a Christmas like she's never had before. He came to set his people free. As I've said, Jesus has promises that he's already come. He's already done this. He's already here to do this, to bind up the brokenhearted. And I don't know any Hebrew really. I, do, I love looking at the words and trying to learn the words. But looking at, looking at the words... Um, 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 to bind up. Actually, uh, when you look at the context in which those were, that word is used elsewhere, it means to wrap around and to envelop. Can you imagine now, Jesus comes and he comes to embrace her. He embraced that dear lady at, at that time. He comes to wrap us around and cosset us and cocoon us in his love and his reassurance that had we been the only people in the world, the only person in the world, he would have died just for you, just for me. So valuable are we to him. So how does this happen? We, first of all, we need to know and understand from the scriptures that this is just what he has come to do. So we need to know our scriptures and then just ask him to do it. As I said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Jesus says, whoever asks, receive. So we ask, we know, we believe, we ask, and we wait and say, Lord, do it. And then we walk in the expectation that it will happen. And as with that dear lady, so it happened. So that's just a, a quick 
a quick look at the first promise. Here's the second. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, bound by experiences of the past, bound by habits that we wish we did not have, but are beginning to overpower us, bound by sin, bound by unforgiveness. Now, these, these things, they, they make us the sort of person that we are until we ask Jesus to come and deal with them. I, I, I wish there was time, I wish there was until 7 p.m. tomorrow, to tell you of the way in which Jesus releases people who have been bound by the occult and are dominated by Satan, who, in one instance, lady was wearing a crucifix and um, at one point she, she'd, she'd um, marked a pentagram of five star occult star and she stood in the middle of it and her hand just flew to her necklace and she, she, she ripped it off and, and sent it flying across the room because she had been involved so much in the occult but Jesus came and he set her free that night. She couldn't, she couldn't say the Lord's Prayer. She could not mouth that, that prayer. But that night she walked away and she could. I saw her a few days later and her face had changed. There was light in her face. There was joy in her eyes. Her voice was different and her whole demeanor was altered because Jesus had set her free. Or those chained by unforgiveness. <coughs> yeah, the amount of people who've just not, they've made the decision not to forgive and as soon as they do, they receive their physical healing because Jesus has set them free from that unforgiveness. And others who are taken back in time by the Holy Spirit that literally he takes them back in time and shows them where this hurt, where this captivity started. And the Holy Spirit shows them where Jesus was with them at that very time, back in their childhood, back in their life. I wish there was time to tell you about these things because Jesus came to set them free. People immobilized by phobias and they can be immobilized. They have long restrained them. Um, I remember one particular time, a friend of mine who's a minister in Southampton um, went to see him, Roy, not his real name. I didn't, I didn't know his wife very well, but uh, I came to see him. He was going out for lunch. And he, he said to me um, over lunch, he said, you know, my wife Chloe... Again, not a real name. She has suffered from both agoraphobia, uh, you know, fear of open places, and claustrophobia, fear of enclosed places, for much of her life. They've got two lovely um, teenage boys, and he said, "It's just life is so difficult." Uh, for us all, not the least for her. Because if she goes into Tesco's and she's towards the back of the store, she just has to, she has to run out because she, she can't stay in a building like that. She can't stay in Tesco's and she has to run out so it takes so long to get the shopping. She said, as soon as she is outside, 
uh, and she's outside there. For, her, her head starts to go around, and uh, she 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 feels um, she feels she has to run back inside into safety. And wherever she goes, inside or outside, and this affects the whole of her life. And she's trying to hold down a job. So I said to Roy, "Well, let's pray for her when we get back." So we prayed for her. And we commanded this agoraphobia and this claustrophobia to leave her. And Jesus came and set her free. Because later that evening, he phoned me and said, Chris, do you know? He said, for the first time ever, we all four went out for a bike ride out of Southampton, out into the Heath area, and we had a most wonderful bike ride, and we, we drove all the way, we cycled all the way there and all the way back, and she was fine. The agoraphobia has gone. And later that week he phoned up to say, well, she, she went to a business conference where in a, in a big um, conference hall there are 150, 200 people, and sitting, she was sitting right in the middle of, of all these people for the whole, the whole time during this lecture, and she didn't turn her hair. She was fine. She didn't have to run out. Because Jesus set her free. She had been walking around with chains in her life all that time. But he came and he released that captive because Jesus came. And he's here ready now. He, he's, he's here ready, uh, more willing than ever we ask to receive or even believe that he can come and touch us now. But he does and he will because he has already come to us. He's already come to us, to you and to me. And I don't know about you, but I need him. Don't you? And here's the third promise. And to give release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim release from darkness for the prisoners. Fear, uh, from, release from depression, from fear, from doubt, from anxiety from chains around his beloved that have led, as I've said, to this half-life for so long. Can I, can I just give you another little story? Um, lovely young woman, so vivacious, so full of life, um, spoke to her at the end of the service, and there were marks on her wrist where she's consistently been slashing her wrists. And I said to her, Vicky, what has happened to you? And she said, well, at least every month I just want to kill myself. I have this overwhelming feeling I just want to end my life. And we talked. And it, it was... Um, she, she had been living under the power of words spoken about her. In fact, when she was in the room, the doctor had said to her mother, you're going to die, probably, when you have this baby, and most certainly your baby will die, and we're not sure if you can, we can save either of you. Um, and she laboured in her pregnancy, did her mum, under this time. And, in fact, the pregnancy was fine, and the mum didn't die, and uh, nor actually did Vicky. But still the doctor said to the mother, well, okay, you've lived and your, your baby has lived, but she's not going to live very long. But she did. And there she was, a young woman in her early 20s. But wanting 
to fulfill the, the power. This is the power of words. Wanting to fulfill this power, this pronouncement, almost this reverse prophecy over her. Wanting, she said, this is, I, I want to end my life. And this, the Lord showed her and us, was the cause. And so again, we prayed and uh, chairs were being put away and stacked away and there were conversations and people talking and there she was, we just prayed for it in the middle of all this and the Lord set her free. Jesus came after those 23 years and four months. He came and set her free and never again has she ever slashed her wrist, never again has she ever wanted to take her own life. Bless her dear heart. Because Jesus met her at a point of need. And that's just where he wants to meet you and me. At the point of need that we all have. And we all have needs, don't we? That's where he wants to meet us, here and now. He released her for all time. And he longs to do that for us. So when will the broken hearted be freed? When will they be embraced? When will captives be freed? When will the chained be released? It is now. And it is here. And this is the fourth promise. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The day of vengeance of our God. And this is what St. Paul writes about this. He says... This is in 2 Corinthians. He says, I tell you, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now. Now is the time. It's now. And again, just how I, how I wish there was time to share with you about how Jesus meets us at a point of need. And I'm sure he's met many of us at a point of need. Uh, earlier this week, this last week, I had the wonderful privilege of going to my favourite place on earth I'll, I'll, I'll show you just one little picture of it Roger can you just put it up this is my favourite place on earth if you can get it Roger there I've gone it's a monastery that I've known since I was 13 and become pretty involved with uh, over the years in different ways and um, I had come a few days ago to clean the windows there. They look quite clean there because that photograph I took a few years ago. But uh, they become very, very dirty, full of cobwebs. And I spent the whole day cleaning the, the windows. Um, that's just a small cloister. The large cloister is so big that it's almost a kilometre all the way around. Huge. Um, and so I was cleaning those, those windows. And um, one of the brothers, uh, lovely uh, brother Henry, He's a philosopher, but he has the humble job of being the pantry man. And he came to me, and we had a chat, as we do when we're together. And he said, I got tremendous pain in, in my back. He said, every hour or two, I have a disc that slits out. 
and it's it's so painful. And he said, I have to, uh, I, I have to do these exercises. And in, in in the in the middle of the cloister, he was lying. He was lying there, saying, I do this and I, I do that. I thought, well, I've never seen a monk lying in the middle of the cloister with me standing up there doing his exercises. Anyway, so he said, this is what I do. So I said, I said, Henry, can can I pray for you? And he said, well, yes, and bless him. Because uh, it's so cold, and they have they they shave all their heads. Um, they all have woolly hats this time of year. So I said, "Can I pray for you?" Uh, so we went into the sort of the, the, the pantry lobby, and um, out of respect to the Lord, he removed his his um, his woolly hat. Isn't that lovely? And he stood there. I just put my hand on his back, and. Um, asked Jesus to uh, and we, we spoke to the uh, disc and uh, told it to go back and take its own position and not to move from there um, a minute I guess and then he carried on with his job and I carried on with mine and he came to see me later that day he said Chris ever since that time that you put my hand on my back I felt this heat and I haven't had any pain at all and my disc hasn't slipped out and Jesus set him free and Jesus put his disc back and I'm trusting that it's going to be, remain back forever now he's, he's got many years to go he's a very young man and Jesus came and met him at his point of need he came and met him now it's now it's now that he meets us and I forgive me for saying it again I know I've said it so many times here but you remember what C.S. Lewis said he says God lives in the time of eternity and we live in the dimension of time. He's in the dimension of the divine. We're in the dimension of the human. And there is only one point at which the divine will meet the human. There's only one point in which the dimension of heaven will meet earth and that is now. Not a, year, not a, a minute before because it's gone. Not a minute hence it hasn't come. The only point at which God will meet us is now. He's come to us now. The year of the Lord's favour. What that actually means in the Hebrew is the year of his delight and kindness. His delight in us and his kindness to us. The day of vengeance. That sounds a bit harsh. The day of vengeance of our God. The day vengeance also in that context means to take action against. He's come to take action against all the causes of sadness. He, He's come to take action against all that harms us in our lives, mentally and physically. That's what we celebrate this Advent. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. That's what we celebrate now. And that's what we celebrate today. One day, dear brothers and sisters, he's going to come for us. But today, he's come to us. And he's come now to you and to me. And so if you have a point of need this morning, you go and you meet those who will pray for you in the sanctuary, in his sanctuary. And you meet with him in the now. And he promises that he will change your life and mine.